in today's world where there's so much noise about the online gurus and what to do and the next cool hip thing, I have really found myself being more attracted to people that deliver things with extreme warmth and extreme authenticity and also have each of those ideas, those strategies and those tactics be deeply grounded in science and experience. In science and experience. Today I have an awesome interview for you and it's with Shadi Zarai and she's world renowned for her superhuman ability to translate neuroscience and psychology research into practical actionable strategies to accelerate success. She works with Fortune 500 uh, companies and startups around the world to get them ready for change readiness, for transformation, increase engagement, and to support the development of their people so that they can use the strategies that are proven in neuroscience, in psychology, to do more, be more, give more, and achieve more. You're going to love the warmth the energy, and the practical strategies that Shadi talks about today. So get ready for an amazing interview with Shadi Zarai. One thing is for certain, just because it's tried and true doesn't mean it's working right now. So the big question is this, where can you learn what is working right now? The strategies, the tactics, the psychology, and the exact how-to how to grow your business, how to blow up your personal brand and supercharge your personal growth. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Sharon Trivata, and welcome to Business School. So, uh, Shadi, I got to tell you a story. So, when um, the f- I'll tell you how I found you, and which you won't, even, you don't even know this. Yeah, please. I was, I, I, which is so cool. And I was scrolling through Instagram mindlessly and I had one of those tough evenings and I was laying in bed and I saw this quote that you had posted and it, it went, it said, it's okay. I don't know what I'm doing either. And, and it was a, you know, a few months ago and I was like, whoa, universe sending me a sign kind of <laughs> weird, but this is cool. Who's this person? And then I started following you, watching what you're putting out and your, your, your content and your message. And I was so drawn to um, not just your message, but your delivery and your authenticity. And I think that I, sh- I shared this with you offline, which was your brand. And I use brand in a very kind of warm way, not a, Hey, look at me. I'm cool. Like a very warm way. It is so unique and so authentic that I can tell your stuff apart from anyone, right? It, it's so you. And the question I have is, there, how do you, the bigger, broader question, how do you build this authenticity in a, in a sea, in this world of content out there? Like, how does somebody build this authentic voice? Firstly, I just want to say that I love hearing that because, you know, everything that we do online is so us, you know, and I say us because I run the business with my husband and all the ideas come from us. And so to hear someone say that, you know, you can distinctly sense what is mine. It's actually so reassuring. And so it ties into your question around creating a brand. I think so much of it is not thinking about creating a brand. Cause as soon as you start thinking about what brand am I creating, then you can veer away from authenticity and you can huh. start to think, who do I want other people to see? Huh. And then you start to become this other version of yourself because you think other people want to see that. 
but we know that's not sustainable in the long run. You're not actually aligning yourself with people who believe in you. And so a big piece of it is really asking yourself, who am I? What makes me the happiest? And how do I want other people to be inspired by my message? And then you just show up as yourself hmm. consistently. And then the right people who appreciate that will align with you. Obviously, it means you have to be comfortable with people not gelling with that. And that's right. okay. Absolutely. It's better right. that they figure that out early and choose to follow someone else. Yeah. But that's very much been what it's about, just being yourself. And it's amazing to see it takes time. It takes yeah. time to get the traction. Yeah. But when you're showing up as yourself, it's actually not a big effort. <laughs> so that's the other benefit as well. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. And the question is, you know, you coach leaders, you've seen, you, you talk to a lot of social media personalities, aspiring folks that should be online. What is the, what is, what holds them back? I think there's some struggle and I don't know what it is that is like, well, can I show up this way? Is it okay? Will I be accepted? And, and you talk about a lot of the inner, inner critic stuff, but I'm curious, what is that that holds people back? Oh, there's probably a couple of things. I think the very, very first thing is that people are constantly comparing themselves to others. Mm. So, you know, we know this classic story. If you, if you look at an entrepreneur, it's easy or a highly successful business person. It's easy to look at them in isolation, like you've got a spotlight on and think I could never do that, but you're missing out on the 20 years that it took them to get there. And so similarly, when it comes to being yourself and showing up online, people will look at and benchmark other people who are where they want to be and think, well, I can never do that. I can never get hundred thousand followers. I can never because they're forgetting that that person also had their journey to get there. Yeah. And it's called the spotlight effect as well, where we, we think that people are completely fixated on anything that we do. And so therefore we don't do it because we're afraid of how it will be perceived. Right. And we think that other people will also be comparing us to that person who's super, super successful. But right. the reality is everyone's already in their heads. They're all consumed <laughs> with their own growth and what's going on in their lives. Right. So that's the first thing, this, this comparison trap that people fall into. And we also know, especially on social media, social media is designed, you know, in the way that it's designed, it really elicits very base emotions. And this right. is why sometimes people's comments on social media can be so mean or can be so uh, negative because they're seeing something in a split second moment of time. They're responding based on some emotion that gets triggered and it's not really using almost the rational part of the brain. It's kind of defaulting into that emotive limbic part. Right. And, and also it's sort of more faceless. So people are comfortable to just say whatever comes to mind. Um, why did I go off on that tangent? Social media. And so when you're constantly swiping and looking, you're getting views of people's highlight reels. It's yeah. easy to forget that actually yeah. there's stuff that is required first. Yeah. So that's that's the first thing I think that holds people back. It's this constant comparison and thinking, I am not good enough to do yeah. this. What will people think? Yeah. And it ties into these inner critics that we have, that you know these voices in our heads, these sort of sub-personalities, which are all linked to ego, they try and protect us from the possibility of failure, from the, the risk of being judged negatively. But we know that if you don't ever do anything, then of course, yes, you will be safe and no one will ever judge you, but then you're not doing anything. So the whole point is that if you want to actually do something, of course, you're putting yourself in the line of fire, but you've got to be okay with that. Right. So it's bringing that mindset into this world of social media and just going with it and being okay if the first 20 things that you post get zero traction. It's a body of evidence. Yeah. You make sure that you're consistent. You're showing uh, up again authentically as you, because eventually when you find the right audience, they'll look back and think, wow, look at the value this person is providing. 
Yeah, I that that is such a cool, uh, you know. I think oh, there's so much focus on this body of success and the body of work that even just for me, like just hearing you say that clicked, right? There's this body of evidence. That's super cool by saying, hey, go do this so that you can go in 12 months, tell people to go back and look at all that stuff saying, look at what I did. And just having that as a frame is so powerful. Like it's, it's almost a, it almost is a, is a strange way of giving yourself permission to say, well, I'm just going to create some evidence to show that I'm going to do better later in the future. Totally. And it's, you know, it's one of these things I often share this with clients where if they're experiencing a particularly challenging time in life, I, I help them recognize that, you know, in one year, they're going to look back and think, wow, I grew so much at that time. How can I then use this challenging time now, put it together as a bit of a story that I can then use to inspire others yeah. And so all of a sudden it gets them out of the immediate what's happening right now and gets them thinking of how can this be a message I then share? And that's right. something that actually has helped me immensely throughout my career. And, you know, more recently sort of this year with the challenges that have come with, with the pandemic, looking at, okay, you know, if I've had a particularly bad day, I will put it into a post and share it because yeah. my view is, look, if I can channel that, whatever I'm feeling, I call them meh days when you're just not feeling it. Um, if I can channel that, pull it into something positive, even if the message is, hey, I'm going through it too. You're not alone. We can do this. Yeah. And then share it. It gives it a meaning beyond just, oh, I'm having a meh day. I need to get through it. Yeah. And that's the same thing when it comes to social media. When you're, you know, anyone who starts out and look, starting out might be a year, two years. Sometimes it right. takes people a really long time yeah. to start to build traction. But again, you need to be thinking that, okay, in five years, I'll be able to share this story with other people who I'm inspiring, who right. are also where I was and help right. them see that they can do it too. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I want to talk to the person that is listening right now, the entrepreneur that's listening right now, that is very good at what they do day to day. Maybe they build tables, maybe they build iPhone cases, whatever. And they know they need to have this presence online. They know that uh, the personal brand can humanize their company's brand and can, can help build so many things for them. And they look and say, well, well, I can't speak like Shadi. I can't speak like Sharon. I can't speak like Tom Bellew. I can't speak like that person. And then they know, they know intellectually it takes some reps, but the, the, rep, the, the number of reps that it may potentially take feels overwhelming. How, how do you speak to that person and say, like, how, how do you help them with that gap? And it's a good good one to be thinking about because that is often what holds people back. Firstly, the comparison. I can't speak like this person or that person. And it's going to take me too long and I'm not going to get, yeah. you know, the dopamine hits that come from people responding. And so this is really interesting because this is how we started on TikTok. So back in April of this year, um, let me go wind a little bit earlier. So, yeah. and I was sharing this kind of offline with you. We had planned on the, I believe our flight was on the 27th of March. We were flying to Bali to Southeast yeah. Asia to really expand the business. That was our aim and to have this beautiful tropical environment around us. We had been planning for that for months. I was finishing up in my corporate role uh, on the 21st of March. That was my last day. So we had this sort of week in between. We'd sold most of our furniture. We were, we were ready mentally, we were going. Three days after I finish up in my full-time employed role, the country goes into lockdown, no international yeah. travel. So we had to pivot immediately and think, okay, well, you know, our kind of future is different now. What can yeah. we do? We were looking at different platforms to get onto, jumped onto TikTok as a bit of an experiment. And I knew 
that if I had to create a piece of content every single day after day five, I would probably give up. Yeah. I knew that about myself, but I also know that I'm very committed. So I did what a lot of entrepreneurs do when it comes to social media and I batched content. Yeah. So on day one, I actually filmed 40 little 60, less than 60 second videos. Yeah. I thought I'm going to just do this because I was feeling really good that day. I'm also very mindful of energy. Sometimes yeah. you have great energy. You can yeah. perform and you can produce other days. You don't, and you need to be mindful of that. So I created 40 little videos and then basically that gave me 40 days of content. So I could not back down for 40 days. Yeah. And I'm so pleased that I did that because it took about 20 or 30 days to start to see any kind of traction on that platform. Right. And as I shared before, if I'd gone, okay, I'll you know, create something each day and post it. By day five, I would have said, well, not for me. The audience is just not resonating with my message. And that would yeah. have been it. Yeah. But doing it that way is one way to alleviate the pressure that you feel each day. If you can find a way to, you know, just create a whole bunch of content initially, right? share it. And then as you're doing that as well, you're also gaining insights on what people are responding to, right. even if it's five people versus right. zero people. Yeah. And those insights then help you the next time you want to create a batch of content. Again, that way you're managing your energy states, you're committing upfront and then knowing that you're committed for that period of time. Yeah. I think it just takes the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. Because you're not then fixated on how did this video that I just filmed today or how did this post that I spent so much time today creating, how did yeah. that perform? And yeah. then taking it personally, you yeah. just post it and whatever happens will happen. Yeah. So that's one piece of, of guidance that I'd share. One of the yeah. biggest um, insights that I've learned is batch your content. Yeah. Also, separate your sense of self-worth from its performance. <laughs> and this is much easier said than done, right? So yeah. much easier said than uh, said than done. But one of the reasons why people hold back is because they feel like if something they share is not successful or yeah. gain the traction that they want, they feel like a failure. Yeah. Which is so irrational. And we know rationally that that's not the case, yeah. but we feel it. And so a big part of it is really reminding yourself that I am not the performance of my content. Mm. I am not the follower count. Unfortunately, though, today, this idea of social proof is really important. And so people will often, when they hear about a business or hear about a person, they will jump online to get that kind of social proof, the social validation that is this right. person who they say they are. So from that perspective, you almost need to jump onto social, yeah. but everyone starts from zero. Right. And so it's, you know, the longer you wait, the longer it's going to take for you to start to grow. So yeah. definitely just start and remind yourself you are not your content. You are not the performance of your content. Make the act of sharing something what you feel satisfied about. Make that what you get the dopamine hit from, not from the likes that come. Yeah. You know, I have a, when you said that to me, so one of the CEOs that I, that I mentor is starting to get online more. And he said to me, and just because of who he is, it runs a nine figure business. He has a, just, he's famous. So he automatically has his, but he barely, he, it, social media presence is terrible, right? Like can't pose, doesn't know his voice. It's kind of trying to figure it out. Just like the body of evidence, right? He's trying to figure it, he's trying to figure it out. And he's, I am not joking. He says to me, dude, you won't believe this. Like I didn't even get a hundred likes on that post. It was barely a hundred. And I, so I asked him, you have to brush it off for a second. I'm like, okay, cool. Don't worry about it. By the way, what did you do today? He's like, oh, I uh, went to my, you know, my, my daughter was back in class and it was bring your father to work day. I said, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. How many kids in your daughter's class? And he says, well, there was, you know, because of COVID, et cetera, there's a larger room. It was 29 kids. And I said, great. What did you do? 
said, I, well, I walked in and I told them what I did for work every day. And they all asked me questions like, you know, Mr. So-and-so, how did you do? And I, it, it was the best part of my day. And I said, how long were you there? He said, well, I don't know, like 10, 12 minutes. I said, so you were totally lit up by 29 kids, you know, totally flagging you down, et cetera. And I said, you got three times that engagement on a, on a post that you just posted sitting in your Tesla. I think you did amazingly well. And he's like, oh, yeah. If you, and I'm like, they are people. <laughs> Mindset shift. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, these guys are real people. So I told him, next time you get a like, just take the number of kids in your class, that classroom. And it's a factor of that. So if you get 120 likes, it's like four of these classrooms. Can you imagine 120, you know, children, your daughter's age that love you for who you are today? And he started crying. Oh, Wow. Right. And it, it like we almost uh, I think the likes were not humanized for him. And and at some point you just have to realize that this is crazy. Like somebody and and, and it's so funny that uh, I want to get your feedback on this. And I, I ask my mastermind groups all the time. They're like, oh, uh, Instagram engagement is down. I said, oh, really? Like what's down? So, well, I'm not getting as many comments on my post. I said, OK, cool. When was the last time you commented? Oh, well, not often. I'm like, exactly. It's okay. So it, it's okay. Right. And that doesn't mean no one's looking at your stuff. When was the last time you clicked? Like, I'm like, you are so lazy that you're not even clicking like anymore. So that doesn't mean that people are not watching it. They just, they're watching it. All right. They just, you know, you're just not getting that feedback loop. So it's really bothering you. And, you know, with those two things, I mean, saying those two things, any quick kind of response to that, or would you handle that differently? No, I think the way you handle it is beautiful. Um, you know, what tends to happen whenever you have a number, and we know this from business, when you see a number, it's a widget, it, it's dehumanized, yeah. even if the number relates to customers, clients, or people that engage with your content. Yeah. And it's so easy to then say, oh, I only got a thousand likes on that one. I usually get 4,000. Well, hold on a second. You're impacting 1,000 people out yeah. there, just like yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so I think that's actually really beautiful. And the fact that he was so touched that he actually cried shows that he hadn't made that connection. Right. And this is, you know, when people start to chase the numbers, the followers, the likes, the comments, they're making a fundamental error because yeah. it's not about the numbers. It's about the people. And even right. just changing the way that we talk about it, I think, would help shift people's perspectives. Yeah. It's not, oh, I have 100,000 followers. It's 100,000 people around the world see value in what I share. I'm oh. able to impact 100,000 people. Yeah, And, you know, that simple mindset shift reminds you of why we're doing all of this. Why are we doing all of this? It's actually to reach people, not to grow a number. Right. Uh, so I, I love that you shared that. And that's one of the pieces people need to be really clear on before they start. Why am I doing this? Is it just, and again, because you've got that big push towards, well, I want the social validation so that when people see that I've got big numbers on my thing, you know, they'll buy into me. Yeah. But actually, they, that's not really what they buy into. They buy into the person, they buy into the authenticity, and whether they actually connect with and engage with what you're sharing. Yeah. So yeah, big mindset um, piece for people. Well, you know, and this this goes to the the. Uh, I love what you said. You know, kind of the the body the body of evidence there. It's so cool. A lot of people are like, well, it's going to take me forever to build this presence. It's going to take me forever to do this, and you have shown. Yes, like okay, you're not you're superhuman, right? So that's one part of the story. So you, but but you have shown that um, you can get on a platform, you can create, you can create authentic content, 
and you can suddenly have, you can get the reach over time in a very short amount of time. Um, could you talk to, a lot of what you're talking to about right now is this is this this uncertainty. And I, I love that uncertainty component. And my question when I talk to entrepreneurs, especially folks creating content online is, well, I don't really know if it works, right? And it's a, they, they can't see the, the one post to one deal result, right? Like I, I haven't got like the one post to one sale. I, I always tell them, I'm like- That would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's the one post to one sale mentality. Like you gotta like <laughs> yeah. eliminate that. That's crazy, right? And, and, and I, 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 the question is, they're like, well, Sharon, how do I know if it works? And I said, well, and that's a, that's a, that's a, I think there's a psychological component in that as well as a tactical component to that. But a lot of it, you know, you, you've done your re, a lot of your recent content has been around, you know, these, um, the neuroscience studies around uncertainty and things like that, which I think are ultra powerful. If there is a, if you can talk to an entrepreneur that's listening right now and thinking, well, I haven't started on this journey yet. I've kind of dabbled a little bit. I've not gone all in. I've not committed because I'm just unsure of what this will do for me. How do you talk to her? Mm. And a lot of entrepreneurs are thinking in the in the view of what's the ROI on this? Right. How am I going to know that the time I'm investing in is going to be giving returns? Right. And, you know, from a business perspective, that's what we want to be looking at. Social media is different though. Mm. Social media is around you authentically sharing a message. There doesn't have to be any direct ROI. That will come down the track, but it may not come in the form of what you think it will come in. It may come in the form of you being given other platforms to speak on, like how we connected right now okay. and being able to reach more people. Um, with uncertainty, you know, what we know from neuroscience research is that we learn the most when we are in uncertain environments. That's when our brain is primed to learn. It, it's in its most neuroplastic state. Right. So actually it's brilliant for us. Yes, it's scary, which means we need to almost push through the fear or ask ourselves, what am I really afraid of? What am I really afraid of here? Is it this fear of failure? What if I put myself out there and no one likes it? What if I put in all this effort and nothing comes out of it and it's a waste of time? What if my friends think it's silly? All of these thoughts that we have, again, going back to these inner critics trying to protect us from something, but they are designed to hold us back. Because again, when we don't do anything, we are safe, but we're also not doing anything. So... <laughs> With, um, you know, with navigating uncertainty, you just need to know that it's, you will feel friction. That's, you know, when you look at the definition of uncertainty, it's not being certain about the outcome of something. Right. And, you know, as humans, we are, we like to have, we have a preference for being able to predict future events. We have a preference for control. Right. Because again, then we're safe. We are safe from threat. We are safe from something that might be putting us at risk. So when we can't anticipate what's going to happen, this is when all these red flags are going off in our brain. Protection mode, protect yourself, don't take action. So acknowledge that's how it's going to be. What I'm feeling is natural. A big one here when it comes to taking action in the face of uncertainty is you have to be super clear on why you're doing it. Mm. And the why can't just be to get a deal to get more numbers. The why actually has to, you know, when you look at psychology around purpose, which ties into why, there's basically two elements that it needs to have. It needs to be personally meaningful to you, hmm. but importantly, it has to have some relevance or benefit to something outside of you. Hmm. And this is why people who are thinking, oh, well, my why is to make a million dollars. 
they may be motivated to make the million dollars and they will get there and then they're still miserable and they can't figure out why. They've achieved their goal. Why am I not happy? So that's why these two parts are really important because the first part is to make sure that it's motivating. It's of meaning. The second part is what is the benefit that you are adding to others, to the environment, to, you know, it doesn't have to be just to others. It can be, you know, broader than that to the world. But these two pieces are really important. So when it comes to an entrepreneur looking at getting onto social media, the why can't be so I can get 10,000 followers. Right. The why can't even be so I can get social proof so I can sell more in my business. Right. The why has to be so that I can share my talents with people who otherwise wouldn't be able to come across it and so that it can inspire them. So I can you know, share a message of empowerment with whatever it is for that person, link it to something beyond yourself. So that's your first step. You need to be crystal clear on your why, and it can't just link to widgets, numbers, things like that. The second part is when you face friction, when you face challenge, obstacle, when you face those meh days where you just can't be bothered to get out of bed, you need to consciously remind yourself that I'm on the right track. This is part of the journey. And by doing that, what we again know from this research that's come out only in the last couple of years, a lot of it's from Andrew Huberman's lab in Stanford. Some of it's come from Yale, a number of other universities. What we know about dopamine, dopamine is the motivation hormone. So you take action on something, you set a really small goal, you achieve it, you get a shot of dopamine, it feels really good. So when you come to do it the next day, you've got a little bit of extra motivation and then motivation and you create your momentum. But we also know based on this recent research that dopamine is linked not only to achieving a goal, but in attainment of a goal. Uh. And so how you create that link for yourself is by consciously reminding yourself, this struggle, this friction is for a purpose. It is part of the journey. I'm on the right track. And by doing that, you're almost biohacking the brain, getting that shot of dopamine without having to actually achieve anything or achieve a small goal, but reminding yourself that this is part of the journey. And that gives you the momentum that you need to continue. Because the biggest thing I feel for a lot of entrepreneurs is they're very, they're goal oriented. They know where they're going. They know what they need to achieve and that keeps them moving. And when you achieve a goal, you get that shot of dopamine. When it comes to something like social media, other than, okay, well, my goal is 10,000 followers or 20,000 followers or to get X number of likes, there aren't goals. And those are probably not healthy goals because you you don't have control over them. They may be targets, but they shouldn't be goals. And so when you know, when you're starting something like this, there isn't really a goal per se. The goal is that bigger meaning that you have. And then every step of the way is this is part of the journey. This post that I put out that zero people liked, in fact, someone just put a negative comment on it. That's okay. This is part of the journey. Mm -hmm. This is helping me get there. And that's enough for you to actually get that dopamine hit to consciously remind yourself of why you're doing it and to actually elevate you when you're feeling particularly down because something didn't work out or it's taking too long. So using those insights, it's brilliant because we can then use that to educate people now about what they're doing and how to basically navigate these uncertain states so that they have the momentum and the motivation that they need. Yeah. So um, as you were sharing that, I'm totally tracking with you. My question is, any guidance on mechanically... So here's an entrepreneur, like, how do I mechanically, is is this a, do I write this down? Is it three bullet points? Uh, That way, if I veer off course, I can come back. How do you suggest that they kind of mechanically manifest the the goal and the meaning? 
Oh, good question. So what my husband Faisal and I do, we actually took time to write down what is our vision. And this is not necessarily our business vision. This is almost our, you know, our life vision together because right. we're in business together, but it's not specifically for the business. We actually made it broader than that. And so we have a mission. We have a purpose. We have the visualization of what we're creating. And we we do something called a huggle every morning, Oh, like a huddle and we hug. Um, and <laughs> We will, we will actually either sit down or stand and read this and just, you know, because I'm big on this kind of thing, we've done it in such a way that like, you know, he will read part of a sentence and if there's a punctuation point, I will finish the sentence. So it's very interactive and um, a little corny, but it's great for us because that's how we do it. We actually will consciously read this every morning and it reminds us of why we're doing what we're doing. And it gives us that uh, constant pointer around what is our guiding principle? What is our shining light here? Interestingly as well, there was research that came out of Georgetown University. Christine Porath was looking into it and she found that negative thoughts are four to seven times more powerful than positive thoughts. So um, this is a slight off topic, but I'll make the connection. So negative thoughts, four to seven times more powerful than positive thoughts. And this is backed up by all the work that's done in psychology and psychopathology where you can't replace a negative thought. It just doesn't work. You can't not Mm -hmm. think about it. You have to actually guide it or maneuver it somehow. And the second part of this research found that positive statements when said out loud are actually 10 times more powerful than when they stay in your mind. So you do the quick math and basically saying affirming statements out loud is will basically um, overtake any kind of negativity that you might have when you make it a habit. Yeah. So having something that you repeat each morning verbally out loud, whether it's with a business partner, a loved one, or by yourself in front of the mirror while you're brushing your teeth. Yeah. This is really powerful. And that can be enough to be that constant reminder. But I know other people who have, you know, three points, three bullet points that they actually will put somewhere visually so they see it. Because the other thing is we forget. So you (laughs) might go through the process and come up with your why and you're so passionate about it. And then you forget about it when something comes up or when you're having a bad day. So using visual cues is really important. Having a routine where you say it in the morning, that's helpful too. Having a reminder that pops up on your phone, you know, as part of your morning alarm, whatever works for you, uh, but just making sure it is front of mind. It's really important. I I have to send you this video and I'll I'll actually link it up in the show notes. So my son is uh, nine years old. And as you were telling me this, it it totally kicked it off. So my, my, my wife and I, we... Uh, separate responsibilities in the morning for drop off and pick up and all of that. And uh, he's been doing, we've been doing this for maybe four or five years now. And it's the same route to school that we take every day. And when we turn this right, last right turn on cue, on cue, he goes into this affirmation. It's actually an incantation because he uses his hands and all of that. Right. And I'll do it for you. Uh, But, but I'll, I'll give you the, the flip story. The flip story is, there are days when, um, like at nine o'clock, my wife will text me and say, Neil, my son's name, Neil, was just unmanageable today. And I said, why? She goes, I don't know. And then 10 minutes later, she's like, I know. He didn't do his affirmation. And I was like, this is insane because she's able to see a one-to-one correlation between my son doing his daily affirmation. And my daughter is four now. She's kind of listening to that. So every day my son is sitting in the car when they make the right turn. He's like, he says, I'm a gladiator. Winter is my season. This is my time. I will not be denied. I'm alive and I'm excited and I'm full of energy. 
right? Wow, I love that. And, and so I stole this from a couple of like my, uh, I had two coaches, one as a little Tony Robbins and a couple other mentors and I pieced it together for him. And it, he was three and a half years old when I taught it to him by, we were sitting by the swimming pool and I taught it to him. I have this video of him wrapped in a towel on the side of the pool, just blurting out this incantation. And you're like, who is this kid, right? But but I think that even my wife, who doesn't believe in this stuff, like she's like, this is all woo-woo, I don't care about this stuff. Even she can tell the difference between the days that he says it and the days that he doesn't. Wow. Which is insane, right? That's absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. It, Powerful, it's so cool. see? The yeah. power of this, especially with children, I think it needs to start with kids because we are so impacted by what we are exposed to. And so if as kids, you know, if we can educate children or, or give them these tools early on so that it becomes the norm for them so that their rational brain doesn't get in the way as adults and say, well, what's the point in that? It's all a bit woo-woo because that's what's happening. The rational brain's going, oh, it doesn't really make sense to me. Um, that's brilliant. I love that story. Yeah. There's um, it, what you said reminded me of some, you know, the other thing that you talk about often, which is this, and maybe this is a good transition to that. Maybe because of the time that we're all spending with devices right now, uh, access to more self-help type stuff. There is this, you, I think you call it the self-growth trap or something like that. Right. And I'm starting to see a lot of this, even in, in folks in my mastermind group, and uh, I'll give you a, a one minute story. And then I'd love for you to maybe talk about the self-growth trap and how to, how they can break out of it. And I had one of my, uh, one of my private mastermind clients basically tell me, well, Sharon, I think I'm going to quit the program. And I said, okay, totally cool. Because I, I don't want to, but why? She's like, well, um, I can't, I'm not implementing everything that you're sharing. And I feel like it's not fair to you. And so I said, okay, that's totally cool. Let's assume that. But I said, you will never be able to. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, it is my job to extremely overwhelm you to the point that you will never be able to keep up. And she goes, well, that sounds counterproductive. I'm like, no, I want to get to the point so far that I give you so much stuff that you say, I can't, I'm only going to focus on these two things. I want to get you to that point. And Charlie, she looks at me and she's like, you are twisted, but cool, right? Like, when I'm like, <laughs> I love it. I'm like, but if I told you that, you would never believe me. And I, I, I'm telling you that now because, you know, you're stuck in this self-growth trap where you're like, you're just, all you're doing is watching videos and taking buying courses that you never do. So, uh, and, and when, I, when I saw that, and then you talked about the LEARN acronym, I was like, that's so cool that we should all be at least aware of the self-growth trap. So I'd love for you to maybe frame that and give people some insight around that. Absolutely. So, you know, brilliant story. And this is what happens to so many people. I had an experience early, early on when I was still working full time as an employee, but I was so passionate about learning and growth. And so I was constantly buying self-help books and I had this um, playlist of YouTube TED Talks and I had podcasts and any spare moment I could get. I was just consuming this stuff and I was feeling great when I would consume it. I'd get that dopamine hit. But then I would never take action. I would just think, well, what's next? And so all these self-help books were like maybe one or two chapters read. And then I'd move <laughs> on to the next one. So you have all these bookmarks kind of just hanging out of them all. And I got to a point where I was spending a lot of money on, um, on books and courses and things. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything with it. And so it, it, I recognized in myself that it was very self-indulgent of me to just seek more and more and more because that felt good, but then not actually produce anything. And it's something that we see so often where we become addicted to 
that hit that comes from learning something new, from being inspired, being empowered, oh, making that connection. And we just want the latest and latest and more and more and more. There's this kind of seductive quality about that. But then it becomes one of two things happens. One of them is that you just get stuck in this consumption loop where you just never feel ready because the reality is the moment you sit down and go, okay, what's all the stuff I don't know? Well, hey, guess what? There are volumes of that. So if you're going to get stuck in that, you'll be there forever. As opposed to going, okay, well, what do I know and what can I do? So people get stuck in this, well, there's so much I don't know. I want to keep learning until I feel ready. And we all know what happens when you want to wait till you feel ready. It never comes and then you never take action. Um, the second thing, though, is also that you end up feeling overwhelmed. And it's this kind of negative feeling of, I don't know anything. I can't do this. And then you just stop. And these are not healthy. Um, and it's because of that kind of addiction to the, the dopamine hit that comes from learning. Now, learning is great. We need to start somewhere. But you need to actually take time to bring it back, look at what you have and say, okay, I am not going to go on to the next self-help book. I'm not going to move on to the next podcast. Let me give myself some time right now to extract the information that I need. What from this have I learned? What three key insights am I going to apply? Once you've done that, because the reality is you might read a book and think, wow, there's 50 million pieces in this. I'm not going to apply them all. What are the three things that I'm going to do? Yeah. Then you actually take action and you do them. You keep them small and measurable. You do them. And then you reflect and review and say, how did I feel about that? What could have been better? Yeah. Only then once you've applied and you've reflected and look, yeah. this takes time. So you are going to literally have to put a hold on everything else <laughs> until you're then okay. you say, okay, yeah, look, I've, I feel like I've learned. I've grown. Let me go back to the beginning and start at the, the beginning, which is the learn phase again. Yeah. And then take it through that way. Because what happens is we get this FOMO, this feeling of, I don't want to miss out on what's new and what's coming in the latest podcast and this, that, and the other. But that leads to overwhelm. When you move into this process and start to focus on the application and the action, FOMO turns into JOMO, the yeah. joy of missing out. Yeah. So instead of fearing, oh, no, I'm not going to be across the latest, you start to feel that sense of joy of, wow, I really took action and applied this. And I feel like I've grown, my business has developed, or I've learned something. And then you go back to the beginning and it's a much more methodical it approach. It requires a lot more self-restraint yeah. because again, our natural tendency is give everything to me right now. I want it all. Yeah, yeah. So it requires the restraint, but it's so much more beneficial for people who actually genuinely want to move on. And the one thing I also share with a lot of my clients who focus a lot on what they don't have and what they lack. Um, some of them who are looking to move into, uh, you know, becoming professional speakers or um, move into industries they've never been in before, start new businesses. They're fixated on everything they don't have. But again, if we fixate in that space, you are never going to take action because you're never going to know everything. Rather, you need to say, OK, where am I right now? What have I learned? What do I know? What can I call on based on what I need? Mm -hmm. And how do I make that happen? Yeah. And that will focus you forward rather than looking at all the stuff, you know, back that you haven't done or haven't achieved yet. Yeah. And that creates that momentum that you need. Because you would know this from, from your incredible track record of, you know, your story is remarkable. I love your story. You've got so many gems within that. But at any point in time, if you said to yourself, well, I don't know everything yet, so I'm not going to mm -hmm. take action, you would be completely stagnant yeah. and probably a very unhappy version of yourself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, to totally. I I um I was on um I was on a stage recently, well pre COVID, and uh, someone said something like, "Who do you follow?" or "What do you?" And I said, I, 
I used a more colorful word for this because the audience, the stage allowed for it. I said, we're all influencer junkies. Like it, That's a good it, way of saying it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, stop. Like, and so I, and I remember this because my coach asked me, she's like, what's stressing you out? I'm like, I can't even keep up with my feed. She goes, <laughs> you chose the followers. And, and, and it's amazing that she's like, you chose the followers. What do you mean you can't keep up with it? And I said, well, I'm going to unfollow everybody. She's like, you should. And so I unfollowed everybody. I actually found a, I found a, a software program that you click a button and it unfollows everybody. And I remember this. I followed one person back, Seth Godin. This was like October last year, November, a year ago. And I only followed one person for a month. So I, I watched all his blogs, read all his podcasts, listened to all his, I just, it was a deep dive. And it was so crazy that I was watching like this YouTube video towards the end of the month. And someone asked him a question. Shanti, I could actually, I actually knew what he was going to say. Like, can you imagine? You were in his brain. I love that. It was such that. a deep dive into that person. <laughs> so since then I've done, I started, yeah, I follow some people now, but since then I've started doing like a one month deep dive um, on different people. And, and it's cool because I can just say, Hey, that month, like March is going to be this person and everything I'm allowed to read anything and everything and listen to about that person only. But then you viscerally know you're like in their nervous system. It's the coolest wow. thing ever. And that was like the big, how to get out of overwhelm for me. Cause I didn't know any other way. And I'm, I was stressed out by my own choices. <laughs> yeah, you so chose it. it's, always, it's good to be reminded of that too. Hey, I chose this path. I'm actively involved in my own, you know, challenges right now. And I can choose to unwind that and to do things differently. That's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's so much information and so many influencers. And when you get to a point where you have to make a decision and you're trying to think, okay, well, what would all of these influencers do? Well, actually, they probably all do very many different things because different people have different approaches. But when you say, okay, what would Seth Godin do right now? Yeah. Then you can actually hear the, you know, the, the Yoda-like yeah. Seth Godin voice in your mind. Yes. Giving you the guidance. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think it's so, so important. Yeah. So um, I, I, you're, um, I can talk to you about this stuff forever and I want to be respectful of your time. How can folks get more of you? Where, where do you spend most of your time? Where do you, where can folks get your ideas? Where can they spend more time with you? Where can they get more of, more of you? Social media, that would be it. So um, I'm on Instagram. You're welcome to come and follow there. I'm on TikTok. If you're on that platform, that's been the biggest surprise for us. We did not know that there was an engaged audience on that platform. We thought everyone would be 16 year old girls mainly doing dances and lip syncs, but there's so much more there. I share daily content on that platform. I actually, a lot of that ends up on Instagram too anyway. Uh, LinkedIn, if you're on that platform, uh, YouTube, we produce more longer form content, which goes into more depth around research, yeah. looking at what's coming out, uh, you know, in the latest journals. So that's a good one if you prefer longer form content. Uh, but if there's anything, again, that I've shared that you want more information on, please feel free to reach out, ask me questions. I love when people follow up afterwards. It means they engage with something and they want to learn more. One other thing I didn't say earlier around getting onto social media platforms is the very, very um, a, a big piece is, you know, be your authentic self on social media. But you also need to be smart about understanding the algorithm and the psychology of what people want. So that's probably the realities which we didn't get to. We were just focusing on be yourself, you know, so... I'm, I'm very private on social media in the fact that no one knows what I'm doing really on in my day to day. I will share things that I know the audience will be interested in or that I know is important to share around my profile. So I'll share things related to me speaking or working with clients. I won't really share a photo of my family because I'm not comfortable with exposing them to, you know, the world out there. At the right. same time, I'm very big on 
lessons? What insights can I share with people? I don't view it as a self-indulgent, hey, look at what I'm wearing at the gym or look at my food, um, which some people do. And that's great because their audience yeah. wants that. Yeah. But for me, understanding the psychology of why people follow me, what they get from following me and giving them more of that. Um, and again, algorithms just being across you know, what's working and why is it working? And then how can I give people more of that, but still being true to you? That's yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah, that's so good. And so the, the cool part, what you shared um, to, to wrap this up was, regardless of the whoever's listening, as you're listening, regardless of your primary platform, you have uh, a really great new source of tactics, inspiration, strategy that you can follow every single day. So I'll link up all those in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your gems. And, and uh, I, I love your work. You're awesome. Thank you. I had so much fun. Really appreciate being on. Thank you for the invitation. Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. I took some of my best ideas from the last 20 years and created a five-day MBA. It's quick and action-packed that you can listen to on the go, just like this podcast. And I want to give it to you for free, just as a thank you for listening to the show. No fluff, no gimmicks, just pure actionable ideas for you to use instantly. You can grab it right now at businessschoolshow.com. That's businessschoolshow.com. Dot com.